Hello everyone and especially a shout out to Jessica. In the background is my lovely assistant getting ready to start some vacuuming. Uh, do you want to plug it? Can you... Uh, excuse me everybody. Hello from the bathroom, but not on the toilet, I promise. We have, see, the, the luscious sounds of vacuuming in the other room. And I'm in the laundry. I'm in the laundry. Huh? I'm in the bathroom. Two separate rooms. Anyway, uh, and, and more sounds. I have a lighter in my hand, but I'm not smoking. I have a smoothie, but I'm not drinking while I am. See, drink in smoothie, spoon, smoothie, spoon, uh, pink dragon fruit, uh, mango, um, pot set Greek yogurt and A2 milk. Before diagnosis, do washing, drink smoothies. After diagnosis, do lots more. Eat more, lots more, I hope. Place and time on my bed in my studio apartment, looking out the glass doors at the tree. It's a rainy day. It's a minute past ten. One zero zero one. Magic numbers? Hmm, I don't know. But right now, it is nice and cool inside my apartment. Fairly cool outside. It's a Saturday morning. We have meatballs, or at least meatballs are in progress. That's the sound of the air fryer in the background. Hello again. Well, it's the afternoon. 4.52 now, in fact. I tidied up. Hey, Jessica. I don't know. I feel like since you're engaging with me, I'm going to say it to you. Hey, Jessica. I got through some tidying, which I'd been resisting, and then I found some of the medication that I'd been taking previously and that I was, that I've been coming down from, the olanzapine. And I found two tablets, the wafer ones, which are the faster acting. And I took one. And now, yeah, I feel weird. Mm, different. Now I feel as though there are certain things I can do more easily. I can function more easily. But also I already feel the bloating in my stomach and the desire to smoke and smoke and smoke. Hey, welcome to Sunday morning. It's now about 20 past five in the morning and my tummy's rumbling and I, I need to eat. I have some updates and I really didn't want to post. So I thought maybe it is the right time. Whew. Okay, so, hey, Jessica, I'm talking to you again because this feels so deeply personal now it's almost hard to get it 
out. So, Jessica, the truth is, I really haven't been that open and honest about how delusional I've been and I think I need to be. I just recalled that there was a time when I thought that any time I blinked I was dissociating so much that it meant that other people were able to feel into my body, feel into my thoughts, except they they didn't have a choice. Somehow they just were connected to me metaphysically and somehow they could feel what I felt. They didn't want to and they were quite aggressive and abusive about it and were constantly telling me about how I was doing it wrong. I think I still do identify those critical voices with the people who I imagined they were coming from and that's something I'm really going to have to disentangle even though I'm not I'm not upset with these people because I thought that they were actually right and kind of helpful even if they did call me bitch a lot but to be fair to my internal voices or whatever they were I did say look if you want to get my attention, you're going to have to say bitch. I do kind of regret that. There was a lot of bitch, do this. Oh, bitch, you did that. Now it's going to be a lot of bitch. Are you really making this much noise in these freaking concrete apartments? And the sun is barely up. Yeah. But I got a lot of sleep. Um, so let's go back over my self-medication. Uh, so yesterday afternoon, I took an um, olanzapine, 10 milligrams in a wafer dose, just to see how I felt. And I did feel different. Um more motivated but that was after I oh my goodness do I have to push myself to do anything it's I have to I had to write myself a list first and then tell myself I was going to strictly follow it and it was just super simple stuff but you know like um, tidy you know eat rest that you know one two three four like that and uh, I did, and because I tidied out my medication, I was able to find the olanzapine, and I took it just to see how much is this medication affecting me, because um, it, because it's in a, because um, it's absorbed through the mouth, it's really fast, fast uptake. So anyway, I was able to tell straight away, basically how it's affecting me. Ah, and it did help me get a really good night of sleep, like so much sleep. I um, first, because I took, I, I decided as well while I was on my medication, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take two of my calming medication because I'm doing really well with that and I've got, I've got a fair few left. I think I've got another 30 still tablets, so 
it's quite good um, because they are affecting me now, which is so strange. Jessica, it's so strange because the medication that I used to have to take heaps of and felt nothing, now I take a small amount of and I feel something. So I don't know, it's very interesting anyway. Okay, so I took two, which is normally what I would be prescribed of for just one, you know, it's the equivalent of one of my tablets that would be half of my medication for that day, which it's not even a third of what I was taking before altogether. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. That's just with the benzo opi- opioids. Blah, blah, blah. so tired of them I can't wait to have them all out of my freaking life anyway um so did crashed out I fell asleep before 7 p.m because um my neighbor Martina called me at 7 40 and I remember just barely waking up out of my stupor and then going back to sleep again so basically I took the alanspine I managed to get some shopping some food shopping done online, which is good. Had it delivered, ate basically a whole packet of hundreds and thousands biscuits, which is very much a thing that the <sighs> the Alanspine drives me to do, um, is just eat a ton, a ton of junk food, as well as regular food, but a lot of junk food. Um, so ate all those biscuits and then just crashed out and fell asleep until uh, 3am or something. So the mood I'm in now is fairly, you know, sanguine, I guess, philosophical, some people say. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, what next? I'm testing these boundaries of what it means to be potentially bipolar potentially bipolar one. If I look back on my life, I think, mm, you could see it through that lens. And I was listening to this interview with this guy from this band, Machine Gun Fellatio. His first name is Pinky. I've admired his work, but never really looked into him as an artist before. And he's got Oh, somewhat similar upbringing to mine, similar but more extreme, um, more extreme with violence and um, and stuff, but almost like very similar blueprint, you know, like miserable um, state school childhood, miserable private school teenagehood. Um, also... Yeah, it's had the same... I've felt the same thing when he's talking about children being exposed to sex and stuff and it being a problem. And yes, I agree, children being exposed to sex outside of their own, you know, just the way that they are today is not good. But I also agree with Pinky in that kids are sexual from a really young age. I remember having, you know, being only about eight years old and having kind of sexual thoughts and interest and stuff and even younger still I think being curious and so yeah it was nice to hear him say oh I'm now I'm gonna get into a heap of trouble for saying this and I was like yeah man I feel you it's it's a weird thing to try to hold space for that and it's nice to hear that it's not I mean I knew it was not just me 
but it's nice to hear another fellow human being that I have, you know, someone say it in that way. It was kind of, it was good. And I think he felt like he was going out on a limb and was going to get into trouble. And I don't know, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But as far as I'm concerned, I found it really relatable. Thanks, Pinky. My darling, the stars, they shine for you. My darling, the birds twitter for you. My darling, my heart skips a beat whenever I think of you. Oh, and with all this vocal fry, I pray and dream that I will be the one, will be the one that you bend over in bank and hard from behind have me on all fours howling at the sky have a sip of my miso soup and i think whether it's legal to be doing what i'm doing i'm using this weird thing that i found with being able to listen to myself while making a recording yes the terrible microphone on my head wired headphones is currently playing myself from earlier on talking some shit i've got the microphone between my mouth and the side of the headphone looking like a fucking weirdo i should make it my photo <sighs> lots of sighs right <laughs> just because it feels like an exertion to post and I guess talking about these symptoms is is an exertion to talk into a microphone about them I think if there was a person here so hey Jessica <laughs> right so I listened to this episode I've been I don't know it might be ill-advised Jessica but I find it very soothing. I'm really hanging out until this psychiatrist appointment tomorrow. Those are my excuses. I want to numb, Jessica. I want to numb. And I find it very soothing, this particular podcast that I probably, I don't know, maybe it's a bad idea for me to listen to, but it's a really good interview podcast. And I do like good interview podcasts. I, I never really noticed when I listened to it before, but the they do really go into depth into I mean not everybody takes it into interesting areas but yeah it's a lot more than just hearing people talk about their latest projects it's like I really like Conan O'Brien's podcast I really like the way he does interviews but the ones that have the real depth the real connection it's few and far between really I mean you get a lot of interesting stuff but not the really deep juicy things about life and the human experience and how ah how it can be especially being a creative person being in the world both growing up and how you make it through the world as an adult so I'm fascinated and I think as much as I am really interested in the interviewer I'm really becoming increasingly interested, deeply interested in the interviews 
themselves, the people, the setup, the stuff that's coming out of it. I'm actually starting to find it profoundly helpful, Jessica. So if I formerly had an addiction to, I don't know, if I had an addiction to the person running the podcast, I felt a deep connection that sent me delusional. But addiction? I don't know. I don't know. (sighs) But I'm not interested so much in him as an individual now. But just this process... I never really properly looked at it before, but the way that he approaches these interviews is deeply interesting to me and what comes out of it is even more interesting. And that is just scratching a lot more beneath the surface. I guess it's kind of like, Jessica, what you and I try to do here and what we found on Anchor, you know, that... that deep connection you can get with people that authenticity as well that you can get just through talking and just through the voice and nothing else no bells no whistles no segments no interludes just two people two creative people talking about life and I really dig it because I mean philosophy it's just talking about life it doesn't have to be all about fucking Socrates and stuff. I found out he was really bad to his wife, so I don't know. I'm not as big on Socrates now. I don't like an artist who's mean to their partner, so that's why I don't like myself because I was mean to my partner, but I think I can do better. However, back to the potential bipolar diagnosis or whatever it is that they're going to, if they're going to, oh God. I think this is going to be a long journey to diagnosis, people. (sighs) I just got to be patient. But anyway, (laughs) pardon the pun. Patient, you know. Jokes are always best when you have to explain them, right? Ah, the bipolar, the bipolar, if that's what it is. Something that Pinky said, though, about, he said, I am bipolar about a lot of things. I'm... I think he said I'm 80, 80%, I'll be 80%, you know, really there for something, but still 20% indifferent. And that is how it feels. It feels like I'm not able to do anything because it's like a tug of war between the self that's interested and the self that's not or something. I can't quite explain it. But it is like when I'm on the medication, I'm freed from that internal struggle. And then the energy that goes into internally struggling is able to be directed into doing stuff. Yeah, and that's what I like about being medicated. What I don't like is that the doing stuff, I suppose it fits into a much smaller bandwidth of high to low. And so then you might not get all the frustrating parts of going up high or going down low but also you don't really have that experience of really feeling things at that level it's just ah it's so nice it's so nice being up there except when you get too high and then it becomes stressful and everything's a mess and everybody hates you (laughs) that's not so good oh and you spent all your money and uh you're physically fucked from 
doing stuff you shouldn't, including smoking, for me. It's not good. I don't like it. I don't want to live my life like that. I want to live my life more in that middle zone, but also be able to have access to the peaks and also the troughs because there's some profound wisdom that comes out of that really sitting with my darker feelings experience. Um, I guess I'm kind of used to it now as well. The voice is calling me a bitch and telling me I'm a piece of shit. I mean, yeah, not great, but still it can stop me from being a dickhead sometimes. So I don't know. Even them, I don't mind so much. As long as I can say, hey, <laughs> draw boundaries with my internal voices. Look, I don't think it's helpful that you call me a bitch. Let's go back to just you calling me. I don't know, Louise, Lulu, Louie. <sighs> Lulu. Oh, I hope this doesn't hurt. Ah. I just pulled out your power, sorry, darling. Hello again, Jessica. <laughs> um, okay, so now, Jessica, I'm stoned. And I've just been listening to this guy, um, his name's Pinky, uh, well his name's not really Pinky but that's what he goes by, and he's a musician and um, he's in this band I really like called Machine Gun Fellatio, there's this song, <sighs> anyway I'm going to do the song next, <sighs> maybe I could just do a bits of it, I don't know, what's the legality of that, huh. anyway, hmm. <clears throat> Because I'm trying to be good now. You know, like Jessica, like a actual Christian, like stopping swearing if I can and stuff like that. I know, it's weird. Anyway, I had this connected moment listening to him talk about his family and how his mum was forced into the role of being the bad cop, of having to be the meanie. I was going to say the B word, but I'm working on that. Okay, so the same thing happened, I think, possibly with... My dad's parents, my, no, my dad's dad's parents, because they're in Melbourne and my great-grandfather was a patent attorney and he had all of these artists and intellectual friends back then. This would have been, we're talking about around, you know, sort of early 1900s. And so probably, oh, what are we talking? Because they would have been born around about you know, like the end of the 1800s. So, yeah, so we're probably talking about in about 1920. Oh, when when did the Depression hit? Anyway, when the Depression hit, the artists kept going to my great-grandfather for money and he would give them money and then he would get into trouble from it, for it, from his wife, who's probably managing all the finances, my great-grandmother. Oh, I'm going to find out her name. Anyway, she came down really hard. And also, Jessica, as an aside, my sister, Michelle, the one who's uh, very disabled with a mental illness, poor, poor darling, um, she apparently is the spitting image of this woman, which is also really interesting. Anyway, so she sent, when she found out that he was secretly giving them money, she banished him to... 
I don't know, apparently out the back. Maybe that's where the servants used to live, if they had servants. And I can't remember how many kids. I need to know. I need to ask my dad. Um, how many, I'm not sure how many siblings my, my dad's dad had. But yeah, anyway, she had to take care of the family. And so she came down hard, sent him out the back. And it was a big part of my grandfather's origin story. But what I came to as a realisation is that I come from a multiple generation of frustrated artists because I think my great-grandfather was probably a frustrated artist but he needed to do the work in order to bring in enough money to maintain that middle-class lifestyle that they had. And my dad is a frustrated artist. He pestered me and when I think about it now compared to other creatives experience and their parents I feel blessed but at the time I felt hassled that my dad wanted me to go to art school wanted me to go to uni and study art he believed in me he believed that I could have been an artist and I never realized what a blessing that was because I rebelled against it I mean, I wanted to be an artist, but I didn't want to have to go to art school. I eventually did, and it was a good experience, but I felt like it set me up for failure because it made me appreciate the opinions of other people that were in a position of power, whether or not their opinions were right. There was no checks and balances on that. And so I valued those people's opinions and the things that I was taught to take for granted, such as having a space to make art in, having other creative people to talk to and bounce ideas off and just have fun with and get that good vibe going. And then it's all gone and then you're on your own and you're doing what? Maybe some dumb job, maybe something interesting, maybe something at the uni, maybe you go on to study, maybe you get a scholarship, just... Every option seemed like a lot of energy for something so far away. When I was at the end of my degree, I did this course that set you up for honours. So, and then from honours, then you could look at doing some postgrad stuff. But when I did the honours subject, I decided to research what and I did do research because I actually interviewed people I had a lot of qualitative research so I interviewed students from different stages of leaving the arts people at uni people you know one two three years out or more and I also spoke to the head of the the art gallery that was kind of oh no I can't remember the name of it but it was like an in-between gallery. It was a professional gallery. It sold art of professional artists who made a living from being an artist. But that was kind of the step in between that and getting in somewhere like, you know, a really like some private gallery or getting in somehow having your work shown like at a, at a public gallery that's, you know, way, way out in another stratosphere. So the whole idea of being able to make a living out of being an artist just seemed so far-fetched. So I just disavowed myself and just said, I might as well do this on my own, you know, and I didn't fit in with creative communities. So when I was really down, I told myself that I was like Hitler. I was a frustrated artist and 
I'd used my power to do bad things in the world. And I think maybe that's kind of true. Other things are true as well. I'm a human being having a human experience and power corrupts and that's just what happened to me. There's a lot of things, a lot of things, a lot of ways you could think about it. Can you see how the pot makes me kind of... Anyway, so my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my dad, all frustrated artists. <laughs> that's really what has lived on in me. I'm a frustrated artist right now. I'm so frustrated. I'm so brimming with creativity. And when I actually do things, whether it's cook, tidy, whatever, I don't know, maybe this. Jessica, you said that the last couple of episodes were good. So I think I'm doing this better as well. I don't know if it's great, but I'm doing it. And daily at the moment it seems but I figure it's not so bad hey Jessica even if it's just something for me to listen back to and try to make some sense out of this whole time <sighs> Jeez. right now here I'm going to do something I've been looking up at this oh, on the wall I've got hanging this belt thing decorative belt and it's covered in shells and someone who called herself Nancy, she was Thai, so Nancy wouldn't have been her birth name. But she gave it to me. And I had it hanging on the wall, like almost like a trophy. Every time I've looked up at it, I just thought, it just feels like I'm virtue signaling, like, I hung out with a bunch of Thai people for a bunch of months. A bit like somewhere between. I guess a bit like a sex tourist in a way because I was hanging out with a lot of people working in the sex industry over there. So anyway, oh, I did some magnificent art there. I think two murals. I love two murals because I love doing stuff big. And I love not having to store it. <sighs> right now, I definitely feel happy, even though I don't feel ready to open the curtains and bring in the outside. But I'm listening to a record at a volume that I think is reasonable. It's 6.35am, so there should be enough noise around to cloak the sound of me playing music. And I've done a little bit more tidying and organising, which definitely brings me joy. Looking up there, Buddha, little Buddha statue that I've had. Oh, it's a gift from my cousin's boyfriend. His name was Ricky. And one Christmas, he bought us all these laughing Buddha statues. Anyway, I still have it. And he's sitting on top of my wardrobe laughing Buddha and I was thinking what is it about him being fat and happy and his position you know he's still in that meditative pose what does that say I think it says Buddha eventually turns into a nihilist and doesn't even care about getting fat Uh, 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 uh,
brothers like Sally. I want you to know I'm just a girl. It's very soothing. This particular podcast, I Engagement. 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 Looking at a picture of GB that I did. GB is my other bird. She flew away. Maybe got eaten by birds. GB. And Zoe. She's still been birdnapped. Anyway, Jessica. Lulu. I'm listening to your podcast, and this is awesome. I love the old Collins, and uh, Kay sounds cool as hell. You guys sound like you're having a fun time over there with the breakfast, and I just love it. Anyway, shout-outs. Just wanted to say hi, check-in, sending positive vibes. Love you, girl. Take care. If I can get this thing to stop. (laughs) Bye.